It's now the off season, officially. You got to appreciate the moments and the, the growth and steps it takes to get to the top. So I feel like this is this is part of our, our growth and our steps to, to get there. Welcome to the Hawks Report, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Lauren Williams, your host and the Hawks beat reporter here at the AJC. And of course, there's not really any score to go behind. But we're still here to recap this season and go over exit interviews with you guys from last week, Friday, following the Hawks' Game 6 loss to the Celtics. But before we get to that, if you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean Breeze. Tropical Beach. Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm, of course, joined today by trusty, handy-dandy producer Daniel Salerson. And we're, of course, going to recap this season for you guys. I feel like, Daniel, we talked about this on the last podcast with Caleb Johnson from 92.9, but it just feels like this season ended on a much more positive note than we've, on this show, have had when we're looking at the Atlanta Hawks. So I think the biggest thing for me going into this offseason, and of course, there for guys that don't know or for listeners that don't know, they have officially turned over the coaching staff. You know, Joe Prunty and, and co. are out. So Quinn Snyder is going to start being able to kind of put his stamp on that coaching staff. You know, unfortunately, no one kind of made it through to, to next season, despite what they were able to do toward the end of the year. But Daniel, when you look at this team and the fact that they were hovering above, below, around 500 for pretty much the entire year, uh, they ended up being one game below 500 to end the season just because of that loss against the Celtics. But do you think it's fair for them to have an optimistic outlook heading into the offseason? I think now, yes, based on Quinn Snyder being in the fold. I think if the Hawks were heading into this offseason still with head coach named McMillan, maybe not, even though if they did stick with Nate all the way through the season, you probably had a feeling that there would probably be a coaching change during the offseason as well. But I think the postseason changed my mindset heading into the offseason based on, one, how they did, 
taking the Celtics to six games, winning that first play-in game in pretty dominant fashion against Miami. And now we're seeing what Miami is doing advancing to the second round and winning game one against the New York Knicks. And also how Trey played and um, just what we've heard from Trey and DeJounte here in the last couple of weeks. I feel like for Hawks fans, I think you have the coach. I think you have a couple of solid pieces in Trey Young and DeJounte Murray and more, but you're going to build around those two. And so now I feel like with Quinn having a full offseason, his own staff, a draft and free agency, he can start to mold the team and Landry can mold the team the way that they see fit and now kind of have a better idea of, all right, we have an identity as far as what coach wants to do. Now we got to find the players to instill what coach wants to do as far as an offense and defensive scheme. So I guess I want to, I'm going to flip it to you for a second. Just kind of ask you the same thing. Did the playoffs change your attitude about the Hawks heading into the off season? It did, but I think I'm a little frustrated with them that it took that long for them to show what they were capable of. And of course you can say, you know, yes, you can say some of it was coaching. Some of it was roster fit that they'll address in this offseason, but they've said it themselves all year that they have the talent to be a team that can compete with anybody. And so to me, it should not have taken them. And of course, the playoffs changes how everyone's played. You you touched on the Heat and how they, you know, sent the Bucks on their way and are now in the second round facing the New York Knicks. But I just think that the frustrating thing for me about this team is that it's exactly what we've seen from them all year, where it's you have these really high highs of them performing the way that they're expected to. And then you have those really low lows of losses to Charlotte, um, losses to the, the Rockets, losses to the Spurs, losses to teams that on paper they should have been beating. And, um, you know, it's the fact that they had to be in the position that they were in, in the plane and having to fight through there, get to playing the, the Celtics and seeing how well they played against the Celtics, they should have been doing that the entire season. So I think that's kind of where I am, yes, optimistic that Quinn can make changes necessary, but it shouldn't have taken a coaching change to light that fire under their butt when they had the talent um, to do so. But I think the big thing is, is that, you can take away that there wasn't much trust in the coaching staff from the players. And, you know, they it's clear that they have a lot of trust in Quinn and they're excited to work with him heading into the uh, into the summer. But, you know, it takes a lot for that trust to be mutual. But here's Quinn Snyder talking about being appreciative that, you know, the players have trust in him. And this was from uh, Friday's media availability slash exit interviews with the team? I think it, it, it there's kind of a base logic to it that, you know, we're all, you know, different, unique people. Um, and I think, you know, recognizing that, you know, just philosophically, you know, I, I feel like that's the beauty of a team that, you know, everyone can, you know, in a very fundamental sense, be who they are 
and also um, contribute in unique ways uh, to the group. Um, I think all of us, you know, beginning to not just understand but value um, what it's, you know, the, the, you know, the satisfaction in being part of something that's bigger than you. Um, to the extent, you know, as a coach and leader that, you know, you want to try to help people understand that. And we've got a lot of guys, I think, that intuitively know that that's a good place to be. Yeah, I think for me, when I listen to that clip, Daniel, it's that he is excited that everyone else is excited about getting to work with him and taking advantage of the summer and that, you know, he kind of in a way acknowledged that this is still the honeymoon period and it's only going to get tougher from here. And I think in the interesting thing that we'll have to continue to watch for is, yes, they're excited now, but what happens when that shininess and that newness kind of wears off, just like in any any relationship? So I think, yes, it's good that they have this optimism heading into the off season. But again, I still I still stand by that it's frustrating that it took a coaching change to to get there. Yeah, and we're going to figure out quickly, you mentioned the honeymoon phase right now, once training camp starts, and they're in two days, and they're learning in a whole new system, now that Quinn's going to be able to implement that, will the players be responding to that the same way they've responded in the last 20-something games or so, and the playoffs? They may, and that's great, but you just never know, and then you have to figure out, well, is it the coaching, or is it the players, and if you, if you can't figure it out with another coach like Quinn Snyder, who is probably one of the better coaches in the NBA, then you might have to start figuring out what players need to, to come and go. And so I agree that even though, I mean, they I think they had a losing record under Snyder in the regular season, correct? So the fact that, you know, they'll have to figure everything out during this offseason. I'm just glad that they talked about Trey and DeJounte and Quinn and all these other guys wanting to work over the, the offseason, working together. I think Trey and DeJounte, it's going to be the most important offseason for them because we figured it would work a lot better with those two on the court at the same time, and, and maybe it wasn't as as pretty as, as we thought it would be. There were times where it was Trey that looked good, and then DeJounte didn't look great, and DeJounte looked great, and Trey didn't look good. So, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of wait and see right now. It's We'll see what the roster construction looks like. We'll see what the coaching staff construction looks like. And then we'll see what is implemented during, you know, September and early October to figure out what the identity of this team is, because that was our buzzword this year about the Hawks lacking an identity. And I feel like we'll have a better idea of what that identity will be come next season. Yeah. So just to put into perspective, the Hawks ended the regular season 13 and 15 under Quinn Snyder. So, I mean... Other than Joe Prunty, they had a losing record under, you know, two of their three head coaches this season. But yeah, I think you're right. And and Quinn, Quinn Snyder kind of touched on it in his exit interview as well, as far as, you know, it takes time for relationships to, to build. And I think we were all frustrated watching how long it took for DeJounte, Murray, and Trey Young to kind of mesh together. And, and so... He, he said it in a way where it's like, if you look at any relationship, it takes time for you to kind of build that rapport and that comfort with each other. 
And um, I think one of the big things this offseason that we're all going to want to see from from Trey Young and DeJounte Murray is that willingness to work with each other now, working out the kinks now, as opposed to what they had last summer, which is DeJounte coming in right around free agency, which was after the draft in July or June, somewhere around there, somewhere in July, June, July. And so in theory, they didn't really have that much time to kind of work out the kinks. And yeah, training camp was kind of the start of that. But you also remember that they did have a ton of roster change. Kevin Herter was gone. Bogey was injured. So they they didn't know how to implement that and how that would work. Um, They were figuring out John Collins and how he would fit into things with the two of them as both ball dominant guards. And so I think now that they have this small sample size from this past season, they can go back, watch the film, see what worked, what didn't work, and then kind of go from there. But in bringing up John Collins, I think one of the things that might, you know, help them is if the Hawks do decide to move on from him and, you know, they they potentially move J- J- Jalen Johnson into the starting lineup or they go out and get another person at the four. But you also have Sadiq Bey <laughs> who can, you know, so they have a little bit more continuity this season or at least how they ended this season going into next year. But I think one of the biggest things is that the two of them are excited to work with each other um, going into the off season, but they're also both excited to continue building that relationship with Trey or with Quinn Snyder. But here is Trey Young talking about working with Dejounte Murray over the summer. I mean, we're gonna continue to put in work. I mean, uh, we know we know what the season's gonna be like next year. We know what to expect and how we're gonna play with each other. And really getting a full summer with Quinn is is gonna be able to, I mean, help us even more too. I, we're going to see each other. We're going to be with the team and be around each other. And we'll be be able to implement some things going into to next year, too. So uh, it's going to be a fun summer that we're able to to connect and be even more close together going into next season. Because, I mean, he's, he's right. Whenever you're close off the court, I mean, it, it makes playing and um, that much more fun and that, e- that much more easier for everybody. Yeah, so for context, in, so Trey Young went right after DeJounte Murray in exit interviews. So for context, DeJounte Murray kind of said, you know, that he and Trey had gotten closer over the course of the season. And so Trey is just kind of there agreeing or seconding what what DeJounte said. But I think what's so funny is that in exit interviews, a lot of the theme is how how much time are you going to take off before you you get back into the court and and yada 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 yada. And obviously, they give their oh, I'm going to take two weeks off. I'm going to take a week off. I'm going to take three weeks off and yada yada yada. But and I I try not to make a habit of looking at um, players' social media just because I I I got it. I'm human. I got to take time away from the screen just as much as anyone. But I did see that DeJounte Murray was in the gym already. And it hasn't even been, uh, what, four days, five days since the end of the season. So, you know, DeJounte Murray will be the first person to tell you that he takes a lot of pride in his work. And he he has a chip on his shoulder. And, and here's what he had to say about that. I mean, I think I'm always just 
amped up and always got a chip on my shoulder to get better, to want to be better, you know, because you could say you want to do this or do that, but actions speak louder than words. And, uh, you know, how my life set up, you know, around, you know, my family, the kids and the gym, you know, it's the only right that, you know, I'll be, you know, in the gym studying the game as far as myself, uh, you know, the team and, you know, the rest of the league. And, you know, I'm just always motivated. You know, I think it's a big part of where I come from. Uh, you know, I'm always just motivated. I know my purposes in life and why I play basketball at, you know, the level I want to play it at. Uh, and that's pretty much it. You know, but I think the moral of it is I've always got a chip on my shoulder. Daniel, when you think about how excited both Trey Young and DeJounte Murray are to continue building their relationship with Quinn, we saw how much communication that they had with each other throughout the course of a game, right? How do you anticipate that continuing to grow next season because of what they're able to put in this offseason? Yeah, I think they built a pretty strong foundation in those last, you know, the second half of the season after the All-Star break when, when Quinn came in. Um, I'm sure it was adjustment period because I think, and there's no disrespect to anyone, but Dayton Quinn are very different types of head coaches. And so, you know, with any player, including your superstar, you're going to have to adjust to how the new coach communicates with you compared to the old coach and what philosophies you may agree with with the new coach and maybe some that you're going to have to get used to a little bit. So I think that constant communication certainly helps. I think whenever we talk about Trey during media availability or Quinn would be asked about something, maybe if Trey did something wrong or the team, he was always first to compliment them and then maybe describe what they can do better and maybe the reasons why they weren't able to execute the way they wanted to. And he'd say, look, it's a work in progress or we haven't been able to work on this a lot. And so it wasn't necessarily a finger pointing. It was more of, well, yeah, they struggled with this, but this is also because we haven't done too much with this. Or yes, I communicated that with Trey or we have talked about that. So I think that makes me optimistic about what they're able to do this off season. And I think Quinn will have some ideas and about how those two can work on the court together. And again, which one's going to play off the ball more than probably they're comfortable with because both are on the ball players. But I think if both of them have the same goal of being a contender next year and, and pushing this team to not being a one and done team in the playoffs, then there's going to have to be some sacrifice being made. And you talk about DeJounte being in the gym already. Keep in mind for him, he could be a free agent after next season already. So there's more. There's motivation for him too. Anyone on a contract year puts a little extra oomph into that. I'm not saying that he doesn't put the oomph in every year, but when players are, you know, about to get paid, they, you know, they want to make sure they have a great season, whether that's with Atlanta or not. I think this will be a very important off season and a very important year for this Hawks team to figure out if that big trade with San Antonio was worth it. And if they're able to extend DeJounte and keep him and Trey together, then what they could attract at free agency, what they can build off in the draft and really put some players around these two guys that would put them in as a shot in the Eastern Conference. For sure. And we'll continue to talk more about what this team needs to maybe shake up the roster um, this offseason so that they maybe can improve on this year's or the, this this season's finish. But before we do that, we're going to take a break. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
ocean breeze. Tropical Beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I wanted to take this time to thank all of you who have listened, subscribed, read everything that the AJC and AJC.com has to offer this season. You guys are what made our coverage of this team possible. If you haven't joined our community yet, We do have a special deal available right now for listeners to this podcast. You can get unlimited digital access for everything the AJC has to offer for the next three months for just 99 cents. That's all of our stories on AJC, our e-paper, as well as all of our newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from legendary columnist Mark Bradley, as well as Mike Check from Michael Cunningham. That's just 99 cents for the next three months. And you can take advantage of this offer by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. All right. So, Daniel, before the break, we kind of touched on it just a little bit. Roster shaking up. I, I don't feel like we can kind of wrap up this season (laughs) of the Hawks report without talking about how this team shakes up the roster heading into the off season or heading into next season, excuse me. But I think my biggest takeaway from exit interviews last Friday was just that they're excited to kind of build this team around the backcourt of DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. So with it's seeming like neither of those guys are kind of on the move. Who is on the chopping block? <laughs> I feel like this is a reality show and someone's about to get eliminated. Um, it is Survivor who's going to, um, whose flame vote. is going to be right, extinguished. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, you know, the front court, I think, has an opportunity to be shaken up. I think between Clint Capella and John Collins. Whether it's both of them, whether it's one of them, you have Onyeka Kongwu that has emerged. Um, he still has, he's a work in progress, but you saw some signs of his potential throughout this season. We've talked about it the last few times, how a stretch five could, you know, be beneficial to this team, but those are also really hard to come by in this league. So it's not, you know, guaranteed that one's going to be available for the Hawks to pursue. But again, I just... John Collins is a very talented player, but I just don't think he fits with what the Hawks are trying to do, especially with two ball-dominant guards in the Jante Murray and Trey Young. Quinn Snyder was very complimentary of John and was insisting that if John's open, shoot it. And I just don't think that John kind of really knew what he was in this offense, whether 
You know, he struggled from three, but when he was open, he was encouraged to take them. He really wasn't a low post threat. He was a hustle guy, very team-oriented guy, would go get rebounds, always on the floor, always backing up his guys. But as far as his fit, you just really couldn't figure out what that was. So either Quinn Snyder may have an idea for how he can be utilized, or he could be one of those that will be in trade rumors for what seems like forever now and and have and do so in the offseason. How much trade value does he have if they haven't been able to unload him in previous years? And what can they get back for him if it's worth it? So I think the front court might look a little different next year. Clint Capella obviously is pick and roll game with, with Trey Young is something that's been really good over the past couple of years. He's getting a little older. Can they maybe rely on more of a post-up guy? Uh, at the five instead of Clint, who's more of a, you know, pick and roll, go get boards, put backs, things like that. So I think that's where Quinn's going to have to figure out and, and Landry's going to figure out what front court could look like with DeJounte and Trey. And But I, I think that's where the shakeup could happen is is with those two guys in the starting lineup. Yeah, and I will say, though, that with Clint, his, Clint Capella, his defense has just been absolutely amazing for the Hawks this season. And, you know, with a with a guy like Quinn Snyder being at the helm, he is gonna need all the defensive stalwarts that he can he can get. And that's not to say that John Collins, and I'm guessing you guys can figure out where we're going with this. That's not to say that John Collins doesn't have that those defensive capabilities because he's also been such a strong defender for the Hawks this year. But I think with Hunter being this team, DeAndre Hunter being this team's kind of best perimeter defender, he's always on the other team's best wing. And and Clint being the rim protector that he is, it kind of leaves John Collins as the odd man out, unfortunately. But when I asked Landry Fields about it at exit interviews, he was kind of like, well, I, I stick with what I've said before. John Collins has value for us, but he also has value for a lot of other teams. And it's that kind of value for other teams, you know, that kind of indicates in my mind. Snip, snap. Snip, snap. Mentality. (laughs) Snip, snap mentality. (laughs) But it kind of, if, I don't know, if you're reading between the lines a little bit, it doesn't really say that we're keeping John Collins. Obviously, no GM is going to come out and say we're keeping a guy. Exactly. But... You kind of read between the lines a little bit and say, hmm, he is value for a lot of teams, you say. Hmm. So. Well, we thought that during the trade deadline, too, that he'd had value for other teams and they end up keeping him. And so, and that might be based on they knew a new coach was coming in and they wanted to see how Quinn, you know, evaluated John Collins, too. I mean, obviously, I think now looking back, we have an idea of why things went the way they were maybe at the trade the line and they did go out and get Sadiq Bay, which I think was a good pickup as far as evaluating Sadiq. I think there were some questions about his defense that we saw a little bit, especially in the playoffs, but the talents there offensively, as far as his ability to shoot from beyond the arc. And again, you can never have too many shooters in this league. And so I think, especially with him being on his rookie deal, still he brings value off the bench um, for what you have right now. But you're right. And in, the, in these exit interviews, Landry's not going to be like, this guy's gone. This guy's gone. We're going to keep him. Um, but again, when the rumors have circulated for years now on John Collins, you kind of have a feeling that maybe this is the offseason where 
something might happen, whether it's a draft night trade where John goes somewhere else, or once they figure out free agency after the draft, then they might have an idea of what direction they might want to go with John. So I feel like we all kind of know that he might be the guy, but you never know. This could look like a very similar team than last year, and Quinn might want to run a lot of it back, or he could be like, I want to change a lot of the landscape and here are the type of players that I want come this offseason. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with John Collins was always going to be his contract. And just because, you know, the season he hadn't really quite played up to what is expected of a guy who's making the amount of money that he's making, you know, around $25 million a year, <laughs> it kind of makes it difficult for maybe a team at the trade deadline to be like, yeah, yeah, we got to take on that. We got to take on that contract. Whereas I think now, um, especially some of these teams that may have fallen short, like the Kings, you're thinking the Nets, you're thinking the Bucks. And that's not to say that John Collins is going to the Bucks. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just, I'm just pointing to the Clippers. I'm just pointing to kind of like these teams that have been eliminated. Memphis, these teams that have been eliminated from the playoffs, they'll go back, look at their roster and say, what do we need on our team to kind of take it to the next level? I mean, all of the teams are going to be looking at their rosters once they've, you know, been bounced from the playoffs and saying, hmm, how can we add some depth? How can we, you know, do this? How can we kind of shape things out? What what can we take on onto our, our, like, what can we take on? And so, plus with the salary cap kind of going up with the new CBA, I think it opens up a little bit more flexibility for teams to potentially take on these these contracts i mean maybe maybe you're looking at the suns who right now are locked into a battle with um the nuggets and you know maybe they'll be like oh we need to add a little bit more size and and john collins is a guy that will be the perfect backup for to you know whoever is on that <laughs> whoever's on that roster so i'm just saying like now that it's the off season a lot of these teams have a little bit more flexibility. You might be able to match more more salary. They might throw in the, the Hawks might throw in like Garrison Matthews and, and Bruno Fernando to to kind of add salary matching or open up roster space or or whatever it is um, so that maybe they can take on something else. But yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I think you and I are both on the same page that it's it's mostly the front court that that needs to be shaken up. And, um, you know, as far as the draft, you also have to wonder what the Hawks are looking at, because when you look at some of the the mock drafts, they have like a couple of guards going to to the Hawks and you have to be like, do the Hawks need any more guards? But you think of it, they kind of needed it when DeJounte Murray missed game five. And that's not to say Aaron Holiday isn't a good backup to those two guys but they only played him what four minutes in game five so clearly they're looking for another you know versatile ball handler I mean obviously you have Jalen Johnson who can be the point point four you have bogey who has point guard capabilities but they do need another solid point guard so that you know in playoff situations you don't have Trey Young or DeJounte Murray playing an entire half and then it catches up to them in the next game. I agree. I think you can never have too much guard depth 
like you mentioned, your your backup point guard after all those trades was Aaron Holiday, and he didn't really snip the court at all. So what does that say about how much they had to rely on Trey and DeJounte and then Bogey filling that guard role as well? So I think a guard is something that you definitely have to think about when it comes to the draft of what type of guard do you want? Do you want a facilitating point guard that can run the run the, the game when, when one of those guys or both of those guys are out that can play a stretch of six or seven minutes? You don't see a drop-off from when Trey or DeJounte sits out and come back? Do you have someone that can complement one of those two guys as more of a shooting guard that you know can just be there to sit behind a three-point line, let Trey or DeJounte create, and then be ready to knock down some threes? I think there are some different guards that you have to look at, that, and that's where Quinn, I think, is going to figure out this offseason is what type of guard, backup guard, complements what DeJounte and Trey are trying to do. So I think that's a, a great thing that they could be looking at in the draft. Wing defenders, I think, again, something that you always could use. I don't see really a stretch five or a big in this draft. They're kind of hard to come by, um, but you might do that in a trade. So I think we'll see what happens. But yeah, I think guard play is certainly one of the top priorities as far as if you're going to go in the draft and get a guard, that's where you can go get one. Yeah, and currently... Three names in just like a couple of mock drafts that I've pulled up to keep an eye on potentially. And and the Hawks will be having some draft workouts over the next, you know, few weeks to get an idea of who it is that they want to take. But Jalen Hood, Shafino, point guard out of Indiana. We've got Jet Howard, shooting guard out of Michigan. And then Keontae George, shooting guard out of Baylor. So both young guys, but actually, I don't know if you saw my face. <laughs> I got a little bit excited because obviously we don't always care about those second round picks, but Drew Timmy is mocked to go to the Hawks at uh, number 46 and and there's kind of your stretch five. So maybe they get... And he's a workhorse too. Exactly. Like he's a, he's a get after it guy that he's a fall on the court and, you know, go after... He'll get in your face. Like he's an agitator too. And I think the Hawks need some of those guys too. That's a one thing that they lack is some intense dude, someone to get in your face, someone to start a little kerfuffle exactly. if you need one. I think the, yeah. the Hawks need one of those guys. True Timmy can especially with a second round pick, you know, those are low risk, high reward type of picks where the worst case you don't keep them. There's no guaranteed money involved unless you do sign them already. You can find some diamonds in the rough in the second round or you know with all the second rounds that went in this year's trade deadline you use those yeah. <laughs> as trade pieces too the second round uh draft pick was like i think the most moved around piece right during the trade deadline where teams were trading seven second round picks and again those have more value than they did a few years ago so whether teams are going to stack them to, to build some of their training camp roster or teams are going to use them actually to help contribute to the team or use them again in another trade piece to maybe move up and go late first round and try to get someone else that you want under contract. So that was, I think Drew Timmy would be a, a great addition to the Hawks. I agree. Guys, we made it to the end of the season. I completed my first <laughs> official season as a traveling beat reporter on the Hawks beat, and I could not have done it without you guys. I am so grateful to all of our listeners, our readers, for sticking with me as I've kind of learned on the fly. <laughs> and um, I'm excited to head into the off season as well as 
the future with you guys, um, with me. And I obviously could not have done this podcast without trusty, handy dandy producer Daniel Salerson. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. I'm grateful for you too. It's been a lot of fun this season getting to know you and learn a lot of basketball from you. So I hope the listeners and the readers learned as much as I did from Lauren and what she was able to do covering this team. I mean, for her first year on the beat, going with front office changes, head coaching changes, you name it. I mean, (laughs) to go through all that in one season is not easy. So I feel like maybe... Hopefully the next couple of years are a nice little breeze for you, or at least, you know, a little less dramatic right. um, for you. But um, giving us a chance to do a podcast together, um, I really enjoyed it. And I hope you all did too. Um, and if there's anything you want to hear on the podcast too, feel free to reach mm-hmm. out. Because um, we would like to obviously get better in what we want to do. But um, definitely shout out to Lauren for for all of her work um, throughout and, and doing this podcast as well. It's definitely not easy covering a team dealing with travel doing this as well so make sure you are reading everything that lauren does yeah and daniel and i are gonna uh well daniel's gonna still be doing some podcasts with the ajc but i'm gonna be taking (laughs) a couple weeks of break um just to recharge before we start getting into those draft workouts but thank you guys for sticking with me and this is the hawks report from the atlanta journal constitution Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.